Lord. Well, man, what a beautiful time of worship. Let me just dive right in. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about what the gospel is and, and what it means. I, in passing, I had mentioned to you something that's been just stirring in my spirit. And, and John and I were at a coffee shop a few weeks ago, and we talked about the, the concept of taking personal responsibility for the Great Commission. Everybody's know, everyone knows what the Great Commission is, right? Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so the Bible teaches us to go out and to preach the gospel. Well, what does that even mean? Like, what is the gospel? That's a good question, right? Now, if I ask you what the gospel is, most of us would say, well, Jesus died for our sins. And he rose again, right? But how does that work? Like, how do you preach the gospel? Because, see, sometimes we have this idea that if I take personal responsibility for the Great Commission, then I have to be like Todd White praying for people in the streets, which is great. And if you want that, go after it. But how many know that you can evangelize by shining? You don't have to, like... Speaking tongues over the people that are, if you're like a, you know, working as a receptionist and people come into the office and they, you're looking at them and you're just like, how many know that would freak them out? Hello? How many of you can offer prayer? You can, you can like pray for them quietly. You don't have to even use words like that. And, and how many know you can get to know people? There's something called relational evangelism. Like there's people that there's no way that if you just gave them the light of Jesus all at once, they would reject it in a second because there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of deception there. But if you shine and the Lord speaks like there's something about getting to know people and, and, and loving them and gaining access to their hearts and then, and then giving them truth and then them coming into and bringing them into encounter with Jesus. But when we say what is the gospel, it's not just preaching the, the message of the pinnacle of the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, I want to read to you. Uh, it's much broader than that. And, and I want to talk to you about how that intertwines with your life and how you can effectively preach the gospel, how you can effectively, and, and listen, as a, as a Christian, not just a member of this church, but as a Christian, we should take personal responsibility for the Great Commission. The Lord has been stirring this up in my heart for probably six months. Some things, I feel like God speaks to me, and I just wait on the Lord, and I, and I process, and I pray through things. And, and I, I know that, I, I, matter of fact, I remember earlier this year, I preached a message, and somebody came to me and says, you're an evangelist. I'm like, well, I, I, I'm not an evangelist in the fivefold ministry, but I should have, uh, like, on the forefront of who I am, uh, like, the Great Commission should be burning in my heart as a leader. And, and the reason they thought that is because I manifested that portion of my heart because this is a part of my story, my history. Um, when we planted a church in Las Vegas, we wanted to go after the lost, man. And, and sometimes people mistake an event, a, a pastor for an evangelist. You know why? Because the pastor will leave the 99 to go find the one. And sometimes we think that, you know, well, I'm an evangelist. It's like, well, no, God's calling you to bring the, the lost into the fold. And, and so let's talk about what that means. So the gospel is this. The gospel is, say it with me, the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus. Story of Jesus. Now, when Paul is writing to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he, 
he says here in verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, also which I received, that Christ died for our sins. He's talking about the good news that he preached. And you remember he said to the church of Corinth, I, I determined nothing among you except for you to know Christ and him crucified. Now that's an important context. Um, and, and he says here, this is the message that, that saved you. I delivered to you, first of all, verse 3, of 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he was seen by Cephas, then the twelve. Then after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to be present, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, have died. Verse 7, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then the last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. So Paul defines a, the gospel, uh, or I, I would, I'd like to say he defines the, the, the pinnacle of the story of Jesus by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Can you say amen to that? But do you know that Jesus preached the gospel before he died? So what was the gospel? He wasn't preaching, I died for your sins, because he hadn't died for their sins yet. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. So the gospel, say it with me again, the gospel is the story of Jesus. And what does that mean? That means the, the, from the virgin womb to the empty tomb. The entire life of Jesus. And a matter of fact, the gospel, is, this is so important. It's not just what he did. It's not just his work, but his person. It's not just what he did, hello, but it's, it's who he is and also who he revealed. So the gospel is the story of Jesus. It's the entire story of our Lord. And that, and, and now listen, this ties into where Paul, this is powerful, and, and there's a lot of Christians that don't know this, so I'm going to give it to you. I want to just teach you for a little bit, and then I really feel like preaching. This, the fire of God hit me, man, at the end of worship there, and I, I just, I felt, I'm like, I told somebody you know, in the back, I'm like, I feel like preaching this morning. And, uh, and they laughed at me. I think it was a holy laughter though. I don't know. Um, but I, I want to just teach you for a minute. So the gospel, okay. The root word for the gospel is euangelion. And this is a word that's used by an individual, hear me, that proclaims the reign of a king or that proclaims the reign or the birth of a king or the reign of a kingdom. These things are synonymous, but it's a proclamation of a king and his kingdom. That's what the gospel is. It's the story of Jesus, but it's a proclamation, okay? So the gospel is, say it with me, the story of Jesus. The gospel is also a proclamation of of Jesus, and the gospel is also a revelation of who God is, a revelation of Jesus, the character, the nature of God. And so I want to just read a very familiar passage. Who in here has ever um, went through Romans Road to lead somebody to Jesus? Raise your hand. Who knows Romans Road? Nobody knows Romans Road. I, either that or you're super lazy, which 
God have mercy upon you. Okay, more hands went up. See? Okay, thank you. Thank you for using enough energy to raise your hand. You raised your hands all throughout worship. And I just asked a simple question. Okay. So... Romans Road is this concept that like we take people through this idea that we're sinners and but but Jesus came to offer salvation and it's a free gift and all we have to do is receive it and then we get to the culmination of Romans Road which is in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 and then I think it's verse 13 and 14 it says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now he's talking about the gospel but let's just read the familiar verses for a moment with the idea that the gospel is the story of Jesus, but also the root word is this proclamation of who he is, that he is a king and that he is releasing or ushering in a new kingdom. Amen. And look what he says here. Verse, uh, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Other versions might say, if you confess through the mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Now, context is everything. A text without a context is a con. If we don't understand who he was writing to... And how the reader, the writer was what they were thinking and how the reader understood it, we're going to misinterpret the Bible all day long. Matter of fact, be careful when somebody says, well, I just preach the Bible. Well, you preach your interpretation of the Bible. You know, like I saw this, this silly comment on this, uh, th- there was this lady preaching who's a pastor and we believe in women in ministry. Come on, somebody. We don't take these verses, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 Timothy, out of context about women in ministry. Uh, Paul's dealing with something specific in both instances. And I saw the silly comment like, well, women in ministry is unbiblical. And I just thought to myself, I want to comment so bad, but I'm restraining myself from, from getting involved in this because you can't convince ignorant people. I'm sorry. And, and what I wanted to say is your interpretation of the text is what leads you to that conclusion. To just broad stroke and say, well, that's unbiblical. Well, no, that's your interpretation of what's unbiblical. Hello? So context is so important. Why am I saying this? Because when Paul was writing to the Roman church, he's not just telling them that if you believe that God raised him from the dead, in other words, the work of the cross and redemption, what he told the church of Corinth, and if you just say Jesus is Lord, then you're automatically saved and that's it. Like it's not just repeating a few lines. There's something in the heart when you open your heart to the love of God where Paul says in Ephesians that your spirit is made alive unto God. It's called being born again. But what is he saying here when he says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord? I'm going to tell you what he's saying. In this culture, in this time, it was a requirement for a Roman citizen to say, Caesar is Lord. If you were a Roman citizen, hear me, you had to plead allegiance to Caesar. What Paul was saying is, to them, it was not just repeat a few lines, it was radical. If you did not plead allegiance to Caesar, you could be put to death. Pleading allegiance to Jesus by saying Jesus is Lord is what Paul is referring to not repeating a couple lines. 
You see, it's submitting to the reality of who he is as the king of glory, born of a virgin, died on a cross, buried, rose again, come on, seated at the right hand of God, and ascended into heaven, sat down, Jesus is Lord, pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. It's that reality, because the gospel is a revelation of who Jesus is. How do we receive the gospel? How do we believe the gospel? We plead allegiance to who he is as Lord and King. That's why we got to know who he is. If we don't know who he is, how many know that there's false religions, there's doctrine of demons, of people that they misinterpret who Jesus is, like they take away the deity of Christ, that he doesn't share in the same divinity as the Father. This is why the Trinity is such an important, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but it's really important. Like it's so important that we're preaching the real Jesus. Well, the real Jesus, please stand up. And in order for us to take personal responsibility for the Great Commission, we have to know the gospel. Now, this leads me to, yes, we plead allegiance to the king. It's much more than repeating a few lines. But what is the gospel to you? The gospel, the story of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, and when you surrender your heart to his lordship and his kingdom reigns and rules in your life, What happens when his kingdom reigns? His kingdom brings freedom, righteousness, peace, healing, restoration. Because the kingdom of God is, Isaiah 16, 5 in the message, it is a new government of love that he is establishing. And this is what Jesus came to bring, is a new government of love. That's a higher law of love than um, what political party we affiliate with. Well, Pastor, I, you know, it's so important that, yes, it is very important. But I am first a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen. It's important who we vote for. But it's important that our hearts are surrendered to Jesus as Lord first. And then we won't get caught up in all the mess. But we can release the kingdom in the midst of the chaos. Because the kingdom of God is the reign, the rule of his love in the earth. The kingdom of God is the abounding, thriving, innovative, creative, loving, peaceful order and healing that God brings in the midst of brokenness, disorder, and chaos. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus revealed who he was everywhere he went. Now, what does that mean for you? So this is so important because the gospel is an intertwining of his story with your story. What's your story? Man, I could tell you my story. I could tell you that when I was in a mess, God met me. Only by the blood. And, and this is why it's so important that when we take personal responsibility for the gospel, we are in fact, we're living, hear me, from a place of the well of the joy of our salvation. That not just saying that your amazing grace, how sweet the sound, yes, but we also say his grace is still amazing. When we behold the beauty of how lost we actually were, how far out in the darkness we actually were, and that he stooped down and he met us in our mess. Can I just encourage you? Listen, when you're when you realize that your message is God meeting you in your mess, then you can preach the gospel. 
because the gospel is the revelation of who Jesus is encountering you, and now you can tell people your story. And when you tell them your story, the one when God met you in your mess, you're in fact revealing to them the gospel because you're proclaiming who Jesus is to you, who Jesus is when he met you in your mess, because you can't have a message unless you realize God met you in your mess. And we always want the message. We want, you know, the A-G-E part and like, but listen, the message comes out of the mess. You know what the acronym is for the A-G-E? And God embraced in my mess. After God embraced me in my mess, it became a message. I look at the story of Jesus, right? I look at the Gospels, which I would encourage you as you uh, come before the Lord and ask him, listen, ask the Lord, what does it mean for me to take personal responsibility for the Gospel? It might not mean that you're going to, it may mean this for you. I don't know. You have to talk to the Lord about it. It might not mean that you're going to go out on Park Ave and find somebody with like a sling around their arm that needs healing. Maybe it does mean that. And listen, I think it would do good for us to actually walk in the power and the authority that Jesus gave us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Come on, freely receive, freely give. I think that every believer can walk in that. We all have authority to cast out demons, come on, to heal the sick. All that stuff is for us and should be worked through us. But we can take some baby steps. Maybe it means like, hey, you look great today. I just want to tell you, God loves you. Or maybe it's, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? I just have the sense that maybe you're carrying some burdens. And listen, the Lord will speak to you if you take that step of faith. But what does it look like for us to take personal response? Ask the Lord. What does it look like for me to take personal? Well, we got to know what the gospel is. The gospel is not just that Jesus died for our sins. It's the pinnacle of the story. It's the whole thing. And it's not just his work. It's his person. It's a revelation of who he is. And it's, it's us understanding that in our mess, he embraced us. And my story is now intertwined with his story. And that's what we can proclaim. Tell people testimonies of the, the transformation that God has done in your own life and heart. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But when I look throughout the scriptures and I read the gospel, and I want to encourage you, Search the scriptures, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and think to yourself as you're reading and watching Jesus encounter people that he was revealing the heart of the Father to them. He was preaching the gospel and ushering in the kingdom of God everywhere he went. John chapter 4, the woman at the well, the woman who was broken, rejected, and wounded. Jesus met her in her mess after God embraces her mess turned into a message as a Samaritan woman rejected. She preaches to her city, her people, and it brought revival. Jesus was saying, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask him for living water and it would become a well of salvation through you. What is the well? The well, when she drank this living water, that well of revival is what brought salvation. And they believed in who Jesus is because of who she met at the well. 
who met her and embraced her in her mess. That's the gospel. If you read through the gospels, man, you think about like Zacchaeus. Who's this guy trying to climb? This is the way I see it, like proverbially climbing the corporate ladder. He's a he's tax collector, and but he's short too, short in stature, right? And and he's trying to see Jesus. Like he's, I want to believe that Jesus is real. I've heard about him, and there are people. Listen, there are people out there. There are Zacchaeuses. There are people. Listen, not just poor broken people. There are rich people that need the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you, when they convert and they surrender their hearts to the Lord, they are going to become a king to usher in financial blessing. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And there's the Zacchaeus, and Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, and he's like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Get down from the tree, man. We're going to hang out. And Jesus preaches and reveals the heart of the Father and meets Zacchaeus in his mess. Are you thankful that God met you in your mess? Come on, are you thankful that we serve a God that takes our mess and turns it into a message? Because after he embraces us, our mess becomes a message. I'm reminded of John chapter 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Whether we're, we're rejected like John chapter 4, the woman at the well, or whether we're Zacchaeus trying to achieve greatness and wealth and after the things in life that will never satisfy, or maybe we're caught in the dirt and the filth of our own sin and mistakes. Jesus showed up and there she is in the dirt, surrounded by Pharisees, ready to stone her and put her to death. But Jesus met her in her mess. Jesus walked up and said, where are your condemners? Come on. Bill Johnson said it was a father-daughter moment. The Bible says she looked up at him. Can you imagine the fire in his eyes? His eyes were burning with the love of the Father. He was revealing the good news. And he's, listen, he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is the gospel message. The gospel message is not condemnation. And one of the ways we can take personal responsibility, I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's okay. One of the ways as a church, we can take personal responsibility for the gospel is open our heart to the broken and love people in their mess. Come on and be that embrace of the father. Do you know that when, when Peter was preaching to the Gentiles, those that were not a part of the God's covenant yet, like, th this is what Jesus came to do, open up to the entire world. Jesus, Peter's preaching to the Gentiles, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon them. How many know the story in Acts? The Holy Spirit fell upon them, and, and, and Peter has this revelation that, that, like, no, they're included in this too. The whole world's included. Listen, that person that you don't like is included in this too. That person that you're like, man, I wish they'd just leave my kids alone. They're included in this too. You don't have to be friends with them, but they're, pray for them because they're welcomed at the well of salvation too. And Jesus is, or Peter's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and the Spirit falls upon. Do you know the word fall? in the Greek is the exact same word. Oh, man, this is so good. In Luke chapter 15, where the father runs down and embraces the son. The Holy Spirit embraced the Gentile world in the book of Acts. And he's looking for us to live out incarnational life, to become, tell your story that God met you in your mess and after God embraced you, your mess became a message. And we serve a God who embraces us in our mess, who tells us who we really are as broken people. We look at that story in the book of Acts where the Spirit of God falls upon the Gentiles. How could this be? They're not a part of the covenant. Like, they didn't keep the law. 
the word fall upon them is the same word in Luke 15, where Jesus is revealing the heart of the father, saying that the father ran down while the son, the prodigal son was still a great way off. He ran down and fell upon him and embraced him. It's the word embrace. It means to press upon. The, the beginning of that word is the same word, oh man, when John laid upon the heart of Jesus. Listen, God wants us to take personal responsibility for the gospel. He wants the joy of our salvation to be restored. That well of his goodness and his love that he met us in our mess. You've got a word in your mouth. It's the gospel. It's a story of how you met Jesus at the well, in the midst, climbing the tree, in the midst of our sin and dirt, where he lifts us up out of it. May God use us as a people to preach to every living soul. Can you say amen? amen. Would you stand up with me? I want to close in prayer. Father, we want to reveal who you are to the world around. I don't know how you do it, Lord. You're so gracious. You're why, like, why me? I'm a mess. But after God embraces me, that mess becomes a message. like given up so many times he says that's when I can use you because when you surrender which is not an action but the ceasing of an action you can receive my grace because my grace is made perfect in your weakness we want to reveal your heart I want to see an army raised up Lord that take personal responsibility for the gospel and it doesn't mean we need to stand on street corners and yell at people. But we can go out into the highways and byways and preach and tell people the story of how we met Jesus. And we can bring people into an encounter with love. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. I wasn't raised in the church. Uh, I was a rebellious punk smoking weed and drinking and partying and vandalizing on the Las Vegas strip and God met me in my mess and he took all those broken pieces all the broken parts discarded them and started fresh and formed in me a heart and he says I've created you to preach the gospel I've called you to go to the nations I don't know how God does it. He just does. He's just so merciful, so beautiful. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? And I want to ask you, just pray and say, Lord, teach me, teach me to tell my story, the story of how I encountered you. Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Remind us of what our message is. And may we as a community, individuals and corporately together take personal responsibility for the great commission. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. 
to make disciples, not just lead people in a prayer to repeat a couple lines, but they surrender to Jesus as Lord. They plead allegiance to his Lordship and we release the kingdom, the reign, the government of love. Father, we thank you that we as a people of God are also sent ones. You are also apostolic. And I send you to go. That God would mark your heart with his love in such a way where you cannot be silent, but you'll shine, but your life will speak. Your life will display the good news of who he is and how he transformed your life wherever, wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you go. Light, shine, shine. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. We are on the cusp of a great harvest. And it's up to us to say yes and say, here am I, send me, Lord. How many are here today and say, I want to go, I'm ready, come on. Lift your hands if that's you. Respond to the Lord. Say, here am I. Send me, Lord. Mark, mark me, mark me, mark me, mark me, mark me, mark me, Lord. With a holy fire, with a holy fire, with a holy fire, with a holy fire. Come on, begin to pray right now. Come on, lift up your voices and pray right now. Ah, Father. Holy fire. I just release right now. Hamra, I impart. Right now, I release, I commission you, saints, to go into all the world. Tell your story. We thank you, God. Mark us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can we seal it with thanks? Thank you, Lord.